Hello. Good morning. Let me tell you about our sponsor here. This is, of course, Home Title Lock. Why Home Title Lock? Why do you care about mm. it? What's, is it going to really happen to me? Well, hopefully it doesn't. You know what? We can all we can all hope for the best, but you need to prepare for the worst. And the worst can very well be for your financial future. Home title fraud. One of the fastest growing white collar crimes in America. And this is a thing where, you know, if you haven't heard this, they are able to get uh, hackers are able to get control of your documents uh, and your home's title. They transfer it to their name. Then they can, you know, borrow against your equity, the money you've built up to retire with or, or, or in it, you know, spend any way you want. Well, now they've got it. They're spending it however they want. And you're getting stuck with the bills. You got to make sure this doesn't happen to you because it's a disaster for your financial future if it does. If you go to HomeTitleLock.com, you can check and see if you're already a victim because you probably don't know about it for you know four to six months at least, and that that's a lot of time to try to get to claw back your money. Um, get the address in there, see if you've already been a victim. Sign up, get a free month as well. I think the code is Beck, I believe. Uh, yeah, Beck, I think it is. Uh, go to HomeTitleLock.com, oh, enter Beck you. for a free thank month you of for protection. Remembering. HomeTitleLock.com. It is Thursday. We've got a great show for you. I mean, Thursday, is, this is a date that will live in infamy. Donald Trump is going to Michigan. He's going to visit the Ford plant today. Remember, it's in Michigan, where the attorney general just told the White House from the state of Michigan that when the president is on tour and he's in Michigan, he is required to wear a mask. And uh, he would love to have the president come to Ford, but he better be wearing a mask. Uh, Who's got money on not a chance in hell? I can't wait. What are you going to do, Michigan? The governor going to send out the police to arrest the president of the United States? Oh, it's a sweet, sweet day in America. This is the small things in life. We begin our program in 60 seconds. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So Blinds.com reminds you that if you're looking uh, to change the feel of your house, update, brighten your house, maybe even get it ready for uh, a sale, the easiest thing you can do to really change the feel of your house is windows, uh, the shades, the shutters, the drapes, wh- whatever it is that you're going to be uh, using. Blinds.com has what you need, and you will save, I mean, a buttload of money. I told you this uh, before, but uh, the last time that we were looking for uh, blinds, this is a few months ago, we had to put some blinds up in the house, and Tanya and I were looking at blinds.com, but we do what you do. You shop around. You make sure you're getting the best price and the best best product. So we found this product. Then we went to blinds.com. We see the same product. It's lower in price. My wife is at checkout, 
And I said, did you use the promo code back? And she said, no, but look at this price. And it was substantially lower. And uh, I said, I know that's great. Did you use the promo code? And she's like, what promo code? I said, back your last name, woman. And she said, oh, no. And she put back in, uh, went to click on it to buy. And it I think it reduced like 40 percent or something. It was ridiculous how cheap these blinds were. Same product elsewhere, at least twice the price. It was phenomenal. I have a testimony of blinds.com. Check their amazing selection out and uh, start your free online design consultation. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's blinds.com. Don't forget promo code back. I mean, I should say that. All right. So last night I did a, a TV show on the new civil rights era and and i think we are in a a civil rights crisis i think we are headed for trouble uh because some of these states are absolutely out of control thank god it's not coming from the federal government thank god we have the federal government to run to and say hey uh justice department can you investigate this So do you remember, I think it was on Monday when uh, we played the audio of that cop in New Jersey opening up the uh, the gym in New Jersey, the Attilus gym. And he said, you're all in violation, but have a nice day. And I said on the air, it feels like a do you believe in miracles moment? You know, kind of that moment of the of the Olympics in the 1980s. Well, I got an update for you. That same cop, that same guy came back to the gym 50 minutes later and started arresting people. After the cameras had gone, he comes back and starts arresting people. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he got his head handed to him. I don't know. But I mean, it shows at very at the best. It shows he believed in something, then got his head handed to him and he folded on what he believes. I don't know if that I don't know what happened, but somebody who might is the owner of the Attilus gym. His name is Ian Smith because he's got even more bad news. This gym has now officially been closed. Ian, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good, Glenn. How are you? I'd be better if your story was better. First of all, let's start with the uh, let's start with the cop. Do you know anything about this cop or or what? How did he leave a hero and come back 50 minutes later and start arresting people? Um, we, we are very close-knit with, with local law enforcement at our gym. Uh, our gym is, is full of uh, law enforcement, first responders, uh, active, sure. and, and, and veteran military. Um, sure. So a lot, of these, a lot of these guys, you know, we know on a very personal level. Um, I have never met um, that individual um, although, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess now I, I know him. Um, yeah. It, he came, um, and, and that, that first sort of video clip where, uh, where everybody was rejoicing and chanting USA, USA, USA was, um, was I, what I believe to be his true feelings. Um, when he came back later, uh, about 50 minutes later, it just so happened to be about 10 minutes before Governor Murphy's press conference. So that leads me to believe, along with, with a lot of the other stuff that we've been hearing, um, that this stuff is coming straight down from the top, that these guys are being put in a, 
in a position where they 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 have to choose between their jobs and their pensions and their livelihoods um, or Jeez. you know or these guys got to st- they've got to stand up police officers please the people will stand with you will stand with you you've got to stand up and and risk your job and i know that's a really big thing but i'm telling you the justice department will go all over this if people start firing our cops like they did in seattle for just speaking out or doing the right thing a it's going to work out well for you in the end because i think that cop in seattle he could be a sheriff anywhere people would elect him in any decent city uh, you know, not Seattle, but they they would uh, they would elect him sheriff. He'll get another job. It will pay tenfold if you just stand. Okay, so now you found out last night that the health department came out and put notices all over your door that you are not allowed to open up because of the health department. Tell me about that. Correct. Um, so yesterday, uh, Governor Murphy in his press conference. Uh, addressed the gym, um, and he said he, he mentioned something about you know continuing to pursue us legally. You know, which I, I think I think he 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 knows, although he won't publicly admit it, that he has no legal grounds to shut us down. That that we are protected right. by the Constitution, and that no matter right. what he says in his executive orders or how many citations that he's handed us, which is three days for us now. So we're up to a, uh, me and my partner are up to I think I think seven each, um, or no, seven sorry. grand each. Uh, no, seven tickets each. Seven tickets um, each. Okay. Yeah. So it, I, I think Governor Murphy truly knows that that he doesn't have a leg to stand on where where that's concerned. So um, he's you know he's resorted and he very very publicly stated that he's going to get the health department involved. Um, coincidentally, uh, about two hours later, uh, our um, our sewage system was sabotaged by uh, somebody stuffing an entire roll of commercial paper towels down into our toilets to the point where we did have to shut down the gym for the day. Um, oh, my gosh. Was backflowing. Um, so we are investigating how that happens. But we had three different plumbing crews come out last night that had to bring in some, some legit equipment, not just like a snake and a plunger, but we had, uh, we had these specialized trucks that had to come in and um, blast water into our pipes in order to clear it out, and they, they finally got that resolved. But they, they confirmed that that was very clearly purposely done. That wasn't, you know, oops, I, I flushed, you know, one piece of, of paper down the toilet. It was, it was quite deliberate. Um, so we spent the night doing that. Frank and I left at about 9 o'clock, and um, in the middle of the night, somebody had, I guess, was, was kind of passing the gym, and they saw that there were four squad cars here in the middle of the night, as well as some other unmarked vehicles um, posting some stuff on the wall. And we have some pictures of that um, that we actually just handed over to uh, Fox 29 News, um, posting this stuff on the wall in the middle of the night. And it is uh, basically an order of embargo, it says. And the, the health code violations, we looked them up, are, are extremely vague. Um, there's not n- nothing specific that we did to violate. Um, and in, in addition to that, no health um, department official has ever stepped foot inside of our building as long as we've owned it. Um, so the wording in it is very vague. It just, you know, refers to, you know, coronavirus spreading and stuff like that. But we're the only, uh, business in the entire strip mall that, that seems to be closed. Um, so it's, it's a little baffling. Um, I I don't understand how they can come in and, and shut us down without even inspecting our facilities. There's, there's things on there that mention poor ventilation, 
Um, you know, if, if you would just step inside our, our facilities, we have an air scrubber inside. Uh, we have uh, an HVAC system that works perfectly fine. Uh, the facility is ventilated. There's a ton of measures that we take. And so it's flimsy at best. Uh, and we have our lawyers working on it. And, and we plan to open up tomorrow. I have to tell you, Ian, I, I, I'm about to lose my mind, and I think America feels the same way. I talked to a woman uh, yesterday. She's a salon owner. Um, they said they were going to arrest her. This is in Oregon. They didn't arrest her. They have threatened to pull her bus- business license. Yeah. And then they sent Child Protective Services to her house. That's crazy. This is such an abuse of power. That was going to happen to us as well. We have a, we have a 15 year old at home, um, and and you know it, it it keeps her up at night. All of the potential blowback uh, from this, you know, because she's she's you know she stands behind me um, or at my side with all of this, um, you know. But you know it's um, it's 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 pretty scary when when government organizations are weaponized against uh, the public. You know, the uh, Department of Health is there to protect us. You know, and for the most part, that's that's what they do as their job. But you know. These, these governors are weaponizing these organizations that are meant to protect the public to enforce, um, you know, their will. And that, that's a pretty scary thing, you know, and then same thing with, with child, child protective services, you know, that, that organization is there to protect um, children, uh, but it's being used in, in the case of the uh, salon owner in Oregon as a, as a, as a weapon against her. Um, and that's, that's pretty alarming. You know, that's, that's very scary. Ian, uh, stay in touch with us. Let us know what's happening. Don't let a day go by. If they're upping it, if they're using another weapon, make sure you reach out to us, okay? Absolutely. I'll keep you guys in touch. Uh, and what is, the, uh, what is the GoFundMe page if people want to help, uh, you know, help you with your legal bills? Uh, so the GoFundMe was set up uh, by one of our members, um, and that is a yeah. defense fund not only for um, us as owners, but we have a bunch of uh, members slash volunteers who have been helping us stay open during this time, um, as well as all of our members, uh, because some of them have been arrested and charged. Um, we have set up that legal Jeez. fund, and our lawyers have agreed to represent everybody. So that's going to pay for the costs of the lawyers, as well as any fines or punishment incurred by any member or patron of the facility or any volunteer as well. And that's available on our social media. Uh, there's a link on, um, <clears throat> excuse me, our Instagram, which is Attilus Jim Belmar. Um, so yeah, and they, we're going to, we're going to keep pushing forward. You know, we're, we're definitely not going to back down and we are very thankful that our members stand behind us as well. And we're going to stand with them. Good. Good for you. Thank you very much. The Attilus dot com. You can find them also uh, and help them with their GoFundMe page. You bet. Listen, I, I want to talk to every police officer within the sound of my voice right now. Uh, heroes are made at times of strife. We are fortunate to live at this time. We could look at this as a curse. You know, the old the old saying about the Chinese. I may you live in interesting times. Um, and you know, that it's a curse and nobody wants to live through these times, but you are given the opportunity. If, if Dietrich Bonhoeffer would have been born 40 years before, 40 years after we wouldn't know his name, he had the opportunity because of where he lived and the time he lived to actually fulfill his greatest self. 
You know, when you're not pushed up, up against the wall, you don't have a chance to be stronger and better than you think you are right now. We are in a situation to where heroes are going to be um, found. And quite honestly, God uses all of us. Absolutely every one of us. We are called at this time to protect the freedom of all, man time, uh, all mankind. Anyone who is a, an enemy of the rights of the people, they're not an enemy of mine or yours. They're an enemy of God's because those rights belong to him. And when you stand up, you have an obligation to stand up. But if you don't, it's no big deal. He'll find somebody else because there are millions that will stand up. But give your children something to be proud of. Give your children an example that says, yeah, at that time, I didn't know what was going to happen. But I knew I had to stand up and I urge every police officer within the sound of my voice. If you if you listen to me and you find any use in anything that I have ever said to you, please consider reading Ordinary Men. It's a book that came out. It's from based on a study after World War Two, and it's how the Germans took one of the best police forces in Poland and turned them into vicious killers and no one could understand why and it took these police officers a long time before they could talk about it after the war but the study was done and it's not that hard uh, to see how they did it and some of these things are playing a role today and if you don't know how it's done, if you don't know the steps, you're going to fall into the same trap because it happens as a collective only when individuals stand up. And there were a few individuals that left that police force and said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And they could live with themselves. Please, please. You are there to protect and serve. You are there to protect the Constitution and the people from anyone foreign domestic it doesn't matter that is violating the constitution this audience loves you this audience generally loves police and we are having a hard time we're really having a hard time your greatest defenders are having a hard time right now with the fbi and everything else we don't know who the good guys are please we believe in you and we know it's tough but I'll tell you this, Americans will rally around you. Please stand up. By the way, the name of the book again is Ordinary Men. Everyone in this audience should read it. All right, I want to talk to you a little bit about my pillow. Uh, my pillow is is absolutely a fantastic pillow. Uh, I'm going on vacation uh, tomorrow and I'm I'm taking my my pillow with me. Uh, because I never thought I'd be one of those guys that that even slept with a TV advertised pillow. It's not something that I would buy. I just would have never tried it unless Mike Lindell came down to my office and was like, try my pillow. And I'm like, I don't like your pillow. And uh, he said, you got the wrong one. And, and I started using it really almost everything, almost everything in my life. I've, I'm noticing a pattern is against my will. 
Uh, and I try it and I love it and I sleep with it every night. I'm traveling with it. MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials and enter the promo code Beck. You're going to get deep discounts, two for ones on all kinds of stuff. The pillow, the bolster pillow, the sheets, the, the, uh, the duvet covers, everything. The sheets are really, really great. They're Giza Dream Sheets. Check them out now at MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials um, and get the two for one deals. Right now, use the promo code Beck. That's MyPillow.com. Promo code Beck. 10 seconds. Station ID. So Biden uh, has ripped into uh, the Hunter Biden inquiry as an effort to resurrect the debunked smear that something was wrong yesterday in a very underreported story. Audio was released of John Kerry and and Joe Biden talking to the former president of Ukraine Absolutely everything we said was going on in Ukraine is now coming out with audio tape, audio tape showing that this is exactly what happened in the audio tape, which we'll play for you in a minute. uh, In the audio tape, you have Poroshenko, the president, speaking to John Kerry and John Kerry saying, look, the vice president is coming over and he really wants this guy uh, gone. And John Kerry couches it in, you know, that he's corrupt and everything else. And Proshenko says, look, e- even though there are no charges against this guy, even though there are no complaints uh, filed and we don't have any reason to believe he's corrupt because of our deal. What's that mean? Um, I want to show you that I'm a good partner and I will, I've asked him for his resignation. So (laughs) you, you have the deal being cut and all of the lies of the media that everyone knew that he was corrupt. No, even the president who is in dirty dealings with our former, uh, uh, administration, even they said there's nothing there. There's there's no evidence. There's no charges. There's there's nothing there. But because I'll be subservient to you, I'll I'll ask him for his resignation. Then you have Joe Biden calling and all on tape saying, hey, thank you so much. And of course, that billion dollars now is coming your way. And this is a debunked smear, Mr. Biden. I think not. Buckle up. This is going to get good. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. You have to mow the lawn every week. How much do you love that? Especially when it's summer down in Texas. I mean, you would think the lawn would just burst into flames. It's so hot. Uh, when you're when you're in the deep heat of summer, uh, you're not going to enjoy mowing your lawn as much as you already do. Um, unless you have a Hustler Turf. Uh, a Hustler lawnmower is a zero-turn lawnmower, and it is—it's fantastic. It really is going to be the last lawnmower you buy because it's built like a tank, and it—it's a little like driving. I mean, I think it's kind of probably like flying a jet a little bit, to where um, you're using a stick on both sides, and it—it it turns so easily. 
it will cut your lawn mowing time in half. You got an acre? Go mow your lawn and then go take a hustler for a spin and you will see how easy it is and how fast you'll be able to cut your lawn. And it'll be the last lawnmower you ever buy. Check them out now. 1,400 nationwide Hustler dealers. Find yours now at Hustler.com slash Beck. Hustler.com. HustlerTurf.com. And go to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Make sure to use the promo code Glenn. You'll get 10 bucks off. So there's a lot of news that is not being reported. Uh, a lot of things like we have talked about the uh, trouble of child abuse and domestic abuse in homes that nobody is reporting. But the New York Post finally is thinking about the average person. Uh, they've just released a story. People stuck in haunted homes during quarantine are reporting now a rise in spooky happenings. Now, this story is written by Natalie O'Neill, who, Natalie, good for you for taking on those big... Yes, you're in New York. Yes, you could be reporting on the spooky happenings around Cuomo and how everybody old around him seems to die. But no, you got the real important story, the spooky happenings in haunted houses. I was intrigued by this story, and I wanted to reach out to one of the guys who is is mentioned in this story. His name is Brent Underwood. He is the owner of Cerro Gordo. It's a ghost town. Uh, And he says, I don't believe in ghosts, but spooky happenings have happened. Brent Underwood, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Uh, well, I'm 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 pretty good. Now you're you bought an abandoned silver mine, right? Uh, yeah. And and is this in Nevada or is this California? Where is this? It's about three hours outside of L.A., so it's in California. It's kind of right by Mount Whitney, if that gives you a point of reference, in between Death right. Valley and Sequoia National Park. Okay, what a what a what a wild <laughs> place! Death Valley and Sequoia National Park, right next to each other, is crazy. Um, uh, so, so tell me you bought this and it looks beautiful. You bought this uh, a while back. You had heard the stories of the ghost town and everything else, but you don't, you don't buy into any of that stuff. Do you? No, I mean, I bought it about two years ago with some friends and it was a town that at one point in time, it was the largest producer of silver over California. So there was mm-hmm. 4,000 residents. All the people were telling me that there used to be a murder per week in the town and, the miners used to line their bunk bags with sandbags uh, to stop the straight bullets in the middle of the night. And so even even stuff like that, or there's a cemetery on site. And so the, the, the ghost stories were abundant before buying it, but I kind of brushed them all away. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I should say I wasn't a ghost believer. Um, but then about two months ago when, when the COVID crisis hit, our, our caretaker, we typically have a live-in caretaker that lives here, he wanted to go home to be with his wife. So I uh, packed up my stuff in Austin, where I typically live, and headed out. And I've been here ever since. Uh, and so you say you weren't a believer in ghosts, and now you are. What happened? I think it goes in increments. You know, at first, it's easy to push away these things and rationalize them away. But I think my first entry into that sphere was one night I was walking to watch the sunset. And there's 22 buildings here, so there's quite a few buildings. Um, and one of the buildings 
It's called the bunkhouse, and it's a eight-bedroom house that all the miners used to stay in when they lived here. And as I was going past, I noticed something in the living room that opened up the curtain and closed the curtain, and the light was on in the living room. And I hadn't noticed the light had been on in, the, in that building before. So I went in there, and I turned off the light, and I put a padlock on the door. And keep in mind, I'm the only one with the key to, this, to the padlock. And the town's about 30 miles from the closest town, and we're up at 800 feet, 8,000 feet in elevation. So it's not like there's squatters in there or neighbors or anything that might be messing around. And so I turned off the light. Went about my day, watched the sunset, not a big deal. Um, next night, I went back to go to the sunset again, and the light was on again in the, in the living room. And so I, I unpadlocked it, and not only was the light on, the, the, flip, the switch was back up. So to me, at first, you jump to like, oh, sure, it was faulty electricity, you know, this or that. But I think being alone in a town uh, with a history like this, it, it definitely raised my kind of like, uh, I guess, inner questions, I, I guess I should say. And then a couple so- nights later in the house, all right. No, go ahead. Go ahead. A couple nights later. Oh, just, so a couple, a couple nights later, I was at the house that I was staying in. Um, in the middle of the night, this is probably like three or four in the morning, a book fell off the shelf. And again, this is a, a house that there's no draft. Uh, I have no pets up here. I don't have a cat. I don't have a dog. There's no rat. Um, and then as I woke up, I just had this overwhelming sense that something else is in the house with me. And when I did this, I, I think she just looked towards the ground. You know, I thought maybe it was like an animal of some type, but nothing there. And I just, couldn't escape the feeling. And then after that, it was a pretty quick succession that things started moving around. You know, I wallet went from one house to the other house and just all these things that I couldn't explain where if you're there sitting alone in the middle of the night in a town 30 miles from, no, from anybody else, you start, you know, jumping to conclusions, I guess. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you, Brent. I mean, you know, you're in a town where there are stories of ghosts uh, and uh, you're all by yourself in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I freak out. I have a cabin in the middle of absolutely nowhere as well. And I've been there by myself at times. And when I'm there by myself, honestly, I keep my gun close because at night you just start hearing things. And you're like, I-, I don't know, man. What it? What was that? What was that? Uh, and do you think this, I mean, was just playing with you? Your mind was playing with you? Maybe a little bit, but I think, I mean, similar to your, your gun, I keep a golf club in the bed with me. I don't know how effective golf clubs are against ghosts, you know, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find yeah, out, but uh, guns too. It was, so. <laughs> right. It, it was, it was, it, I definitely try to rationalize the way I, I always think, you know, you know, that could be the wind, that could be this, but just the light switch and then my wallet moving is just something that I couldn't explain. And I, I, maybe I bought into it, but at this point, I've moved from non-believer to let's just find a way to coexist with these ghosts. And so how I handle it is I don't go where I know they like to hang out, like the bunkhouse and the hotel and these other buildings. And I hope that maybe they respect my space as well. All right. So hang on just a second. I just want to give one more thing. So somebody went in or, or a ghost went in, turned on the lights. Uh, you lock them, but they somehow or another got past that lock. Then the next thing you notice is somehow or another your wallet had been moved. Is it possible that that is something more earthly, like someone who is squatting and looking for money in your wallet? Is that possible? 
I mean, when I say these things out loud, I know how ridiculous it sounds. I'm, I'm with you on the, on the end of right. the spectrum. That this is insane, particularly coming from a guy that's stuck in a town by himself. It might sound like I'm going a bit crazy. Which, who knows? Then that might be the case. I'm, I'm right. not going to rule that out either. But uh, right. I searched the buildings with my golf club. I didn't find any squatters. Um, but, you know, so, I love it. I, know, I tell you, you know. Brett, the reason why you're on with us is because I read this story and I thought, this is ridiculous. And then uh, we called a lot of the people and uh, Sarah, who's our booker, she said, you're going to love Brent because he's like, I know this is crazy and I might be crazy because I know what it sounds like. And I love your uh, I love your take. I, I, will, I, I will say, Brent, you know, a lot of people would point out because um, you say, you know, you bought into this and you literally did buy into this. Like you bought into this business so is it possible that you're being motivated by the idea that more ghosts good for business? <laughs> I didn't think of the ghost because that will move your wallet, Brent. I don't. <laughs> you know, listen. Maybe I'll start listing the ghosts as an asset on our business, but uh, until That's then, right. yeah, uh, I just hope they leave me alone. Yeah. So, are you gonna you're gonna restore this and you're gonna make it a uh, you know like a not a tourist place, but like a, a kind of a Western resort, I guess. Kind of like a lodge. Yeah. I hope to one day re- renovate the buildings. Uh, that's what I've been working on when I'm up here to allow more people to come and stay and experience the history and the natural beauty. Hopefully not the ghosts, but you know, everything else, I guess. Well, I don't know. I don't know. People might pay extra for the ghosts. So you might want to, you might want to keep that one to yourself. Uh, Brent, thank you so much for talking to us. I, I appreciate it. Yes. Another result of COVID-19 right here, an underreported ghost sighting. Brent Underwood, uh, we'll talk again when you open up your open up your lodge. Thank you so much. Maybe we should go, Stu. We could be we could be the ghosts. I mean, I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those pesky kids. A lot of people out of work right now. People could use good jobs like ghosting. Right. Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of people that would be like, hmm, I wonder if I could move this wallet and some of the things in this wallet. <laughs> All right. Relief factor. If you're somebody who experiences pain, daily pain, especially um, debilitating pain, pain that just makes you say when you get up in the morning, I can't do it another day. I'm with you. I know it. Uh, if you happen to be watching us on the blaze, it, it it occurred to me yesterday as I was packing up my things to go on vacation, uh, as I was looking at all of these, the artwork behind me, this is all stuff I've done since COVID. I've never painted as much as I'm painting right now. Uh, and it's something that two years ago I thought was over. I, I mean, I really did. My I had such pain. I couldn't hold a uh, paintbrush. I, I have to show you some point uh, painting that I have hanging on my wall. And it, you can see the lines in it that's so shaky from the pain that it was the time when I said, I, don't, I can't paint anymore. Uh, and now that's all gone. And it's because of Relief Factor. Relief Factor gave me my life back. I don't know if it will for you, but it did for me. And it is so worth the try. I, I tried everything else. Nothing worked. 
this has provided great relief to where I can paint again. I can write again. I can do the things with my hands and my body that there was no way. We were repairing our barn. One of the guys who was working with me said, man, Glenn, you are a different man. Two years ago, you would have never been able to do this. And it's true. And it's thanks to Relief Factor. Please just give it a try. Relief Factor. Try their three-week quick start. See if it makes a difference in your life. Get your life back at 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It's relieffactor.com. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Okay, this you're going to love this. The Blaze... And Elijah Schaefer is uh, reporting today uh, on uh, the madness of Twitch. Now, Twitch is a uh, gamers platform, and uh, they have just added a new member to their moderation team, a transgender who identifies as a deer. They're going to be the monitor of freedom of speech and what's allowed and what's and what's not. Now, I just, you know, I think I've said enough already, but let me let you hear from this deer uh, and uh, what he or she has uh, said. This is Steph Lauer. uh, And here's what she said. Let's uh, take cut one uh, of Steph. Oh. But I'm hanging in there, and uh, I'm not going anywhere. I have power. They can't take it away from me. And honestly, you know, I, the, the, these, there, there are some people that should be afraid of me, um, and that they are, because I, I represent, uh, moderation and diversity, and I'm gonna come for hurtful, harmful people. If you're a really person, I'm gonna stand up against you. Mm. So people should fear me. Okay. Um, now she's on a gaming platform and here's what she thinks about gamers. Listen to this. Well, no, I just, I'm just not cool with white supremacy. Y'all it's really not that I think a lot of you gamers are actually white supremacists. Sorry. Just a fact of how I feel. Wait, that's totally different. Oh. <laughs> a fact and a fact about how you feel are totally different things. No facts. Feelings are facts. No. Feelings are facts. It might be a fact I, that you, you should feel be that way, but what does that mean? You should be banned. Now, uh, here she is talking about what she likes to do in her off times. Um, so, in my, in my spare time, stop, I stop, go out stop, to my stop, yard. Stop, stop. Freeze that frame. Can you freeze that frame? She's wearing antlers. I just, if you're, if you're missing, uh, you're missing a lot if you're not watching us on Blaze. Uh, but she's wearing antlers. Uh, and she's a good-looking woman. A deer. A female deer. A doe. A deer. A female deer. Anyway, go ahead. Play this outside. My yard. In my spare time, I go out to my yard. And I, and I prance around. And I, and I eat grass. And I just She's watch it because it helps me sure. feel like in tune with my dear self. <sighs> Thank you. Now, Stu, 
Is this real? I, 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 that's what I was just going to ask. Do you think this is real? I, Gamers are racist. She's on, she's on Twitch. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, she likes to go eat grass. I mean, maybe she is, but I, I, I don't even know anymore. It's an amazing conversation. You know, you the idea that it. we actually think it could be real, right? Uh, uh, but I mean, I yeah, mean, that's Elijah's, what I was to say. I uh, sure knows this world better than I do. Ten years ago, I would say this is absolutely bogus. But today, I, yeah. So, and what else is in the news? I mean. That, that, that uh, today, this makes sense. And I would say, too, there, I mean, a good chunk of the country has absolutely no right to say anything other than it's true, and you should respect her as a deer. A doe, a female deer. Whatever, a, a female deer. <laughs> Fine, yes. <laughs> I don't fall into the category that, that, would, that would say that, but there's no uh, reason to, if you're going to say a guy can just identify as a woman whenever he feels like it, why can't they identify as a doe? Why not? Again, like you're not because there's no physical characteristics that co- coincide with being a doe. What does that have to do with it? <laughs> right. What does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with it? I mean, I, I, nothing. Ellen explained this Absolutely a long time ugly. ago. I remember on her show is saying like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way you feel in your mind when you're t- talking about gender. The way you feel in your right. mind. Well, uh, all right. Like, I don't know what that has to do with society. Like, it's whatever you want to feel in your mind. I don't know why we would change any policies based on that. But if that's what you're talking about, okay, whatever. But that's not something that necessarily affects anyone else. That's that's you. So there's at your least head. A, there. I'm being kind. There's at least a fifty percent chance this is absolutely real. The lunatics are in charge of the asylum. This is the Glenn Beck program. Where do we all turn when things fall apart? Well, if you're like me, you lean on things that stand the test of time. Your closest friends, your family, or a cherished movie that re-inspires. The classics are made to last, and that's why we turn to them in good times and bad. I have one of those beloved things in my life. It's my Tecovis cowboy boots. At Tecovis, they don't see themselves as just makers of quality boots and Western goods. They believe that a good pair of boots can change the way people feel about themselves. Now, why is that? Why is it that something that you put on your feet can change the way you feel inside? Because the boots are a manifestation of things that last. Boots that can weather the storm and walk confidently to the other side. Cowboy boots are, and have always been, for the frontiers ahead. Find your pair at tecovis.com slash back and face the day comfortably and confidently like the generations before. For generations to come, tecovis, T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com slash back, tecovis.com slash back. Hey, I want to talk to you. Thanks, Hillary. I want to talk to you about uh, taking 10 minutes out of your day and calling American financing. I mean, you know, no judgment here, but if you don't do it, you're just a bad person. <laughs> um. I thought I'd try that. What do you think, Stu? I'm thinking about trying this new tactic out on on advertising. I like that. Just if insulting people. You don't do people. it. It's mm-hmm. just you're just stupid. Yeah. Um, ten minutes. I know. Ten minutes used to be uh, something that was hard to find. Right now, you can take ten minutes out of your busy, busy day and call American Financing. There's no hassle. There's no pressure. Uh, there's no hidden fees or anything like that. They'll just tell you in ten minutes whether they can help you save a lot of money every single month or not. 
It's refinancing. If your interest rate is over 4%, if you have high credit card debt, consolidate that loan and refi your mortgage now. You could save 1000 bucks a month or more. AmericanFinancing.net. Call them 800-906-2440. So, yes, comrades. Yes. And enlightenment. Right. This is the Glenn Beck program. So, I have some very good news for you. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio said uh, yesterday there will be no swimming. No swimming, no sneezing, no farting, no crying. None of the city beaches are going to be open. And if you try to go swimming in a New York City beach, you'll be taking right out of water, he said. Okay, first of all, you should never go swimming on a New York City beach. You should never go into the... You don't know what's in that water. And I mean, when there's no pandemic, never go to a beach in Manhattan. Now, Coney Island... He said, you want to walk on the beach? Fine. No swimming, no parties, no barbecue, no farting. Anyone, I'm quoting him. Anyone who tries to get into water, they'll be taken right out of water. And I will put up fence. We will have it, but I will not put it up unless we have to take tougher measures. Fencing again is available, but I don't want to. Don't make me pull this car over. No swimming, no sports. Just use common sense at beach. Are you kidding me? You can walk on the beach, but you can't go into the water. Why? Stop with the fear. Stop with the... Well, I I can't say this to Bill de Blasio. I was going to say stop with the, the communist tactics, but the, actually Bill de Blasio... Hey, commies are great. I love... Who doesn't love a good commie on a Tuesday, huh? This is the Glenn Beck Program. A lot of companies have uh, struggled to figure out how to serve their uh, customers during uh, this time. Uh, And it's... uh They've been trying to rework their entire business model and, and figure all that out. That didn't have to happen at Roman because they were built for this. Uh, this they, they know how to make this really easy. Um, we're coming out of a period now where all these non-essential medical uh, appointments were all canceled. And now everyone's going to be flooding the you know doctor's office to get these things in. They should have been taken care of the last three months. You want to go around that whole process. Roman is the place to go. Uh, Roman, if you're looking for anything, if affects men's issues, uh, ED, hair loss, uh, cold sores, anything you don't want to talk to a doctor about in person, you can just go to Roman. Uh, Roman has spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state and all from the comfort of your home. Just grab your phone or computer and complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, they can, uh, Roman's Pharmacy, they've got one on their own. They can ship it all right to you with two-day shipping, discreet packaging, no commitments. You can cancel anytime. If you're struggling with ED, hair loss, whatever issue you have, go to GetRoman.com slash Beck. Get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Beck for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Beck. 
So one of the guys that really has shaped Stu and his way of thinking, and Stu is a very rational guy, and I like I like having him as my partner and my executive producer because uh, I tend to go with the heart uh, and see things through the heart, and, and Stu sees things really through analytics. You, you can say and that I don't have a heart. That's good, fine. I understand that. What you're no, trying you don't. To say. I mean, you make the Tin Man seem warm and, cuddle, <laughs> and cuddly. Thank you. Uh, but but uh, one of the guys who really shaped him and I think is really brilliant, Stu turned me on to him uh, with the rational optimist, um, Matt Ridley. Matt Ridley was on with us, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Uh, talking about COVID-19 and, you know, that it is serious, but there are some things to, you know, th- there's some other things that w- we should also take into consideration, like, oh, I don't know, an economy, so we don't all die from starvation. Um, he's got a new book out called How Innovation Works, and I've been reading it. Stu has, are you finished with it yet, Stu? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 great. Yeah. yeah it's a great book. Uh, Matt Ridley is joining us now. Hello, Matt. How are you? Hi, can you not get a copy each? Uh, I, I took his copy. <laughs> no, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can't. We can't afford two books. That's crazy, Matt. Um, so the the name of the book is "How Innovation Works," and I like the subtitle and why it flourishes in freedom. So, um, Matt, um, first lay out just the the, the premise of uh, of of the book. Well, the premise of the book is that innovation is the most important theme of the modern world. It's somewhat mysterious. We still don't quite understand why it happens, when and where it does, why it happens to some technologies and not others. Uh, and I'm having a stab at explaining that. And my answer is basically that it's a, it, it's a phenomenon, uh, it's, a, it's a gradual, incremental, collective phenomenon that happens amongst our brains rather than inside any one person's brain. Uh, it's, it's, it's about people uh, trying things and sharing ideas and coming up with new ideas. So, Matt, can you, Stu and I have been talking about this for a long time. We go back and forth on this. Um, can you tell me, um, wh- is there a real phenomenon or does it just seem this way that uh, people start to work on things in different parts of the world around the same time and they're not connected? It's almost like there's some sort of uh, a collective hive mind where we make innovations around the same time is that can you explain that is that even real it's really or is that just my perception no it's not your perception it's absolutely right because uh if if you look at the history of almost any gadget you find there are three or four people who have a good claim to have invented it independently you know the thermometer or whatever it might be Uh, the telephone extreme case yeah um, the extreme case is the light bulb, where 21 different people came up with the mm-hmm. idea of the light bulb independently in different countries. There was Lodigin in Russia and Swan here, pretty well the same hometown as me in England. And, of course, a guy called Edison on your side of the pond who did pretty well out of it. Um, and mm-hmm. w- w- but, but then if you think about a more modern example, like the search engine, probably the most useful innovation of my lifetime, the one I use every day. Uh, and the one that nobody saw coming, but that was amazingly obvious in retrospect, um, because by the time you get to the early 1990s, you've invented the Internet, it's pretty well bound to be the case that people are going to invent programs that enable you to search the Internet intelligently, and it's probably obvious that that's going to be the way to make money out of the Internet. Um, So if Mm -hmm. Larry Page had never met Sergey Brin, we'd still have uh, uh, 
search engines, we just wouldn't call them Google. And uh, so I think that that example tells you that what's happening is that the the technologies you need to bring together to develop a new technology are ripe. They're ready. You've reached the point where it's inevitable that someone's going to do this next step. Uh, and that's why you get this wave of simultaneous invention. It leads to a lot of patent and copyright disputes. People are constantly getting into a, a terrible row uh, about this. Um, in fact, there's, there's quite a nice uh, subsection here. Uh, it turns out there's a whole bunch of books that, that wrote about wizards and communicating via owls um, in around the same time as J.K. Rowling. She just happened to be the one that that mm. caught that idea at its most extreme. That one does feel really weird, um, but I suspect mm. that is because people, you know, there are always somebody writing about owls and wizards. Well, of course, because wizards are true, and and so is everything <laughs> that J.K. Rowling uh, writes. <laughs> um, let, let me let me talk to you about some of the things in the book. You talk about vaccines. Um, tell tell me where you stand on vaccines, uh, and let's let's talk about this in in uh, I mean in real time here with with vaccines coming yeah. into play in our world and and forced vaccines are possible etc cetera, etc cetera. so talk to me a little bit about vaccines well vaccines are an example of the not having been enough innovation um so uh you know when this pandemic started i was slightly surprised to discover that it's still 12 to 18 months to develop a vaccine minimum uh, and that you know decades go by without us developing a vaccine for a new virus uh, and indeed, there are people out there saying it's a disgrace that we don't develop vaccines faster. Um, uh, when you think back to I, I write about the whooping cough vaccine in my book, which was um, invented by two really brilliant women in Michigan in the 1930s uh, and in about four years from start to finish. Now, that would be quite quick even today. So how come it's so slow? Why is it that uh, um, that it's, it's taking so long to do this? Uh, and um, Can I guess? Uh, the answer is because we haven't put enough investment into vaccine development. We haven't been prioritizing it. We've been looking in the wrong direction, obsessing about things like climate change as a threat to health instead of pandemics. Uh, and uh, oh. anyway, do we lose him? Oh, wow. Let's see if we can get him back on the line. I, I will must, tell you I that I would have guessed government. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> well, yeah, he, I would have bet. I would have yeah. bet government. It was the biggest impediment. Uh, on vaccines, yeah, we should get not back investment because because he goes through this uh, in the book as well as it relates to things like nuclear power. There's a certain level where there is so much um, so much regulation and so much government involve, uh, involvement that there is never a time in which the private sector can really even take it on in a meaningful way. So, have you heard about what they're doing in Idaho with nuclear power? Somebody has come up with a a nuclear power uh device that can be completely self-contained uh cannot go into meltdown it's very small it's the size of like a grain silo at mm -hmm. a farm okay mm -hmm. and they they cascade into each other so one uh, you know is is delivering energy and then it combines with the others and and it makes enough power and they're saying now that this is a completely safe kind of of nuclear power because it 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 can't go into meltdown if something happens it just shuts off and it will never go into meltdown because it's not big enough hmm. and they're just tying them together and they're supposedly doing a big test on this uh soon up in uh 
uh, up in uh, in Idaho. Really, which I, I find fascinating. Uh, that's encouraging. I know. I know Matt goes into this uh, in the book about uh, nuclear power, and I think Matt's rejoining us now because um, it's, it's, yeah. it's it's. We were talking, Matt, as you were gone, about the similarities between, in some ways, vaccines and what you talked about with nuclear power, and that there's at some level there becomes so much government oversight and regulation that there's no real ability. Uh, or or incentive for anyone in the private sector to innovate in those in those fields. Right. I, I would that, right? correct when exactly. when yeah when you said that you know what's the biggest I wanted to guess because I thought it would be government not lack of investment I thought it would be government. Well, it, it often is, and and government regulation gives you uh, a huge hurdle to get over in anything medical. You know, medical devices take. Uh, four to five years to get approval in some countries, that deters a lot of investment. And it's similar in vaccines. There's a huge amount of safety regulation and others, quite rightly. Uh, but no company is going to go through that if it can't make money out of the product at the end. And it's something similar in nuclear, because the problem with nuclear is we we uh, demand for the licensing of a nuclear plant such enormously detailed specification yeah. of every nut and bolt in the thing many years in advance and such you know, hundreds of millions of dollars spent on getting the license that you then can't change it. You know, you, if you change it, you have to start all over again. Uh, and so that deters the sort of trial and error experimentation that is normal when you're building something that big to get it right. Um, uh, and as a result, that, that, that technology can't evolve, it can't change, it can't improve. Um, so it is a bit similar, the vaccine and the nuclear story. Um, big government regulation getting in the way of the kind of experimentation and cheap uh, work. There's a very nice example, though, from the Gates Foundation of how to fund vaccination in a way that does incentivize it. Uh, and that is to, to dangle a prize. And the prize is a sort of subsidized contract mm-hmm. to, to distribute the vaccine for pneumococcus in the developing world. And Jeez, we've lost him again. Every what time he talks about I mean, Bill Gates. This, yeah, this is this. You, you see what's happening. Gone. You see what's happening. Government and Bill Gates. All right, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> and let's see if we one more shot. Yeah. Three strikes and we're out here. Uh, but uh, we're trying awfully hard. Matt Ridley, really a brilliant guy. Uh, the rational optimist and how innovation works. And it's something really important because we want to talk about opening up the country again and, and get his advice on that. All right. Our sponsor this uh, this half hour is um, Rectech. Rectech Grills, man. This is the best. Listen to me now. Listen to me now. Go to Rectech Grills. That's with an S. R-E-C-T-E-C Grills dot com slash back. If you go there, you will be able to register to win a grill exactly like the one I have. And you can win it for Father's Day. Now, I highly suggest that this weekend... When the family is around, you are on the Internet in a very open way with all the family there. And you're like, ah, man, look at this. What a great grill. I'm just registering to try to win one for Father's Day. Wow. Isn't this great? Wouldn't this be Drop the hints. (laughs) Your wife can say for Mother's Day, I don't want anything. You be a man. I want a Rectech grill. That's what I want for Father's Day. Stop all this sniveling. Get out there and be in some smoke and eat some meat. Uh, Rectech Grills. R-E-C-T-E-C Grills dot com slash back. Do your own homework. Uh, They are unbelievably low priced uh, for what they are. They're built like a tank. And that's because they don't have any middleman. 
and so they take all of that middleman money and they put it into the actual product. It, it puts them leaps and bounds ahead of anybody else. Rectechgrills.com slash Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. Said just how crappy England is. I mean, what's wrong with this phone? Here's a guy who's like uh, talking about innovation and uh, what is it? This crappy <laughs> cell service in England? What is going on? There's been no in- innovation when it comes to international communication, apparently. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not happened at all. Uh, you know, it, yeah, unfortunately, you know, the Matt, uh, Matt's connection is not working out here. Uh, I would definitely highly recommend the book, though, uh, How Innovation Works. I told him, I think, another title for it could have been how civilization works because he basically tells the storyline of everything that we do use and which makes our society civilized and how it all happened and so often glenn it's the opposite of what al gore would tell you or whatever um you know whatever uh believe the science uh doctrine you're getting from an msnbc where instead of you know the way they describe this process would be Okay, you, science comes up and they do the research. Government gives them uh, the money. They do the research in some university. They announce this big discovery. And then, yeah, whatever. I guess then down the line, you know, uh, the private sector takes it and An makes it into and yeah. commercializes it or whatever. It's actually the opposite Correct. over and over again, where it's the, it's the person working in the field, trial and error, trying to figure out a problem and doing it before the science can even explain it. Like where they, where they, the doer is the one with the innovation. The doer is the one who does the work. And then the science can come on the other side and says, wow, this is why X, Y, and Z is occurring. They work together well, but it's not this world where we're serving at the altar of every scientific expert. And, and that's what's designing our society. So many times, everything from flight to vaccines to a million other things that he describes in the book in detail, disprove that story. And it is, I think, an important thing for us to remember that it's not, we don't, this isn't a top-down world. The world, when designed as a top-down sort of uh, structure, just doesn't doesn't work and doesn't bring these innovations. And I have to tell you, there, there's another part of the book. I don't know if you've read the part about failure yet, but yeah. uh, or you, you finished the book. Mm-hmm. But his, his, his support of failure is so refreshing. Yeah. You know, look, what we're going through right now honestly is a giant experiment this this pandemic idea was hatched a, a long time ago by uh, government officials and 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 others some with good intentions some with nefarious um and we're trying something new uh let's try shutting the entire world down and see what happens if we were actually honest we would then take the failures and the successes and we would compare the two and we would say, where did we fail? Where did we succeed? But that's not happening. Do we have do we have Ron DeSantis telling the press off? This is such a great example of of if you want to make progress, you have to address the truth. Listen to this. So first of all, OK, so one, she's not she's not a data scientist. She's somebody that's got degree in journalism, communication, and geography. She is not involved in collating any data. She does not have the expertise to do that. She is not an epidemiologist. She is not the, the chief architect of our web portal. That is another false statement. 
And what she was doing was she was putting data on the portal, which the scientists didn't believe was valid data. So she didn't listen to the people who were her superiors. She had many people above her in the chain of command. Um, and so then so she was dismissed because of that and because of a bunch of different reasons about how she did. Seems that wasn't the one I was looking for. Was it? seems like good, good, good reasoning, for. though. I will say, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Uh, it's it, true. Uh, I think the, um, you're going to the because you were talking about the uh, bringing into this try. You know, the 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 power of failure. The f- right, right. Um, and yeah, one thing I was reading Matt's book that I had never really thought about before was the phrase "trial and error" never points to success. It actually never, it's not trial and error and trial and success. It's just trial and error. It's so central to right. the way we develop these things that it, that is the more important thing. If you don't have the idea to go, you know, the possibility of going out there and screwing it up over and over and over again and ruling things out, that does so much work, not only for you and what you're trying to invent or create, but also down the line, it eliminates other uh, dead ends but for people trying to innovate after you. Here's the thing as well, though, uh, as somebody who is trying to learn how to paint, um, I have spent my whole life. I taught myself how to paint and it's all trial and error. And it's just keep trying and failing and failing and failing and failing. You get so frustrated. And then, you know, I went out and I hired a teacher to come in and help teach me some of the basic principles. Now, my trial and error is accelerated you it, it's all about anything good you're going to fail at for most of at least the beginning you might fail on it your entire life this is the glenn beck program american financing nmls 182334 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org but that's how we grow all right let me tell you about american financing Um, American Financing would like to ask you for 10 minutes of your time today. When is a good time to save money? It's kind of like, when should I plant a tree? I don't know. I wish I would have planted it 10 years ago. Um, Today is the day. When is a good time to save money? Right now. If you have taken out a mortgage, even in January of this year, you're paying too much. Because the mortgage rate of interest has gone down so much. If you're paying 4% or more, you're paying way too much. You can save hundreds. You can save 1000 bucks or more every single month if you do a consolidation loan and take in all your high-interest credit card debt. You're probably paying about 20% interest on that money. AmericanFinancing.net. They're not gonna, there's no contracts on this. Or there's no obligation. There's no hassle. No fees. Just call them for 10 minutes. See if they can help you. AmericanFinancing.net. 800-906-2440. Call them now. We'll have to reschedule with Matt Ridley, but his book is out now. It's How Innovation Works. You can get it on Amazon. Highly recommended. It's Matt Ridley. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, we, I want to play some audio that we played for you yesterday, but I think this is stunning. Uh, it's about Joe Biden and the firing of Victor Shokin. Victor Shokin was like their attorney general over in the Ukraine. Now, we have told you that uh, 
there was no there was no real evidence against Victor Shokin being corrupt. Everyone says, oh, he's so corrupt. He's so corrupt. Well, everybody was saying that, uh, you know, uh, Trump was in bed with the Russians. Everybody has been saying that uh, uh, that uh, General Flynn was in bed with the Russians. We now know they knew there was no evidence of that. Zero. The FBI was trying to close the case and the Obama administration kept it open. So we know how smears work. But I want to play some audio that I think should be played every day because we were told that the government of Ukraine knew that he was corrupt. Everyone in Ukraine knew. The president even knew that they were corrupt. The president of Ukraine uh, knew that Viktor Shokin was corrupt and had to be fired. Well, that doesn't seem to jive with this new audio. This has been released because of a court uh, procedure over in uh, Ukraine where Joe Biden has now been named as a uh, a suspect in a crime of interference with the government of Ukraine. Everything that we put out on the chalkboard looks as though the evidence is pointing to it's going to be proven in a court of law. And I want you to listen to this audio. The first piece is from uh, John Kerry, we think he's on Air Force Two, and he is calling uh, Proshenko. He is the former president of Ukraine, and he's saying, look, uh, Joe Biden is coming over, and he wants, he wants this, in, uh, this uh, prosecutor fired, and uh, he's corrupt, and we want him fired. I want you to listen carefully to what he's saying, and more importantly, what the president of the Ukraine, who is in the pocket of Russia and in the pocket of the Obama administration, what he says about Viktor Shokin. Listen. stop i want to pause it there for a second notice what he said he didn't he didn't say he's corrupt he said he's blocked some of the progress on some of the other prosec uh, on some of the prosecution that we are interested in pursuing so first he's not making the corrupt he's saying he's slowing the process down and joe biden wants him gone so can you do anything to uh, to work past this so we can get through because Joe Biden wants him replaced? Continue. Oh, is that all in that clip? Okay, yeah, play the next clip, please. Yesterday, I met meet with the general prosecutor, Shoto. Yes. And despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the, he doing something wrong. I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday. I especially asked him to resign. 
in uh, as a his uh, position as a state person and despite of the fact that he has a support in the power and as a finish of my meeting with him he promised me to give me the statement on, on resignation and one hour ago he bring me the written uh, statement of his resignation. Great. And this is my second step for keeping my promises. Okay. I, I want you to listen. I, I Stop. I want you to listen to what he just said. In spite of the fact that we have no information of corruption, that... Uh, we have no indication that he's corrupt. There are no charges against him. And he's popular with the people. As a favor to you, I asked him to resign. Now that's pretty explosive. Especially when Joe Biden is saying that everyone knew he was corrupt. The president, Proshenko, just said right before Joe Biden was landing, there is no evidence of corruption. We have no information on that. But I called him in anyway as a favor to you. Now, we also have evidence. We know that I believe it would. Do we have Jason on with us? Jason is our head researcher. Jason, are you there? Um, yes, sir. I believe it was, what, two days before this phone call happened that he issued uh, a, a, a warrant or a, a, he was going in to do searches and to uh, call in uh, uh, witnesses against Burisma, right? It was two days before this? Yes, and it was it was even greater than that. This is when we showed that document that you uh, presented on one of your specials that came from the Latvian government that actually named hunter biden oh, yeah, by yeah, yeah. name and said hey That's we've got right. these weird That's transfers right. through these like shady money laundering channels um what's going on with this literally the next day they started seizing the property of zlochevsky and burisma and they were going to bring in hunter biden for questioning the day after that's right then he gets called into this office right. then he gets i mean it, what's funny is you got to right. think about what's going through uh Poroshenko's mind with, uh, during the clip you just played they had only hired shokin for a few months he had only been on the job for a few months so biden's saying you know he's been destroying that he's only been there for three months three or four months he hadn't done anything wrong and the reason he was there is because the last guy, the last prosecutor general they had him before him, he wouldn't investigate Zlochevsky. So the entire like European community was like, hey, we got to replace the other guy. They bring in Shokin. The first thing he does is go after Burisma, and then Biden freaks out. This is very, very damning. And, and so you know, Zolochevsky is the guy who's with Burisma. He's yeah. he's the guy. And Proshenko wants to go after uh, Zolochevsky because... Zolochevsky is not a fan of Russia. Porchenko, the president, is in bed with Russia. He's pro-Russia. Uh, Burisma is run by people that are anti-Russia. I mean, it, it, none of this makes sense. And everyone needs to hear this audio because it proves at least 
that there needs to be an investigation, that this is not some conspiracy theory. It, it doesn't prove absolutely positively. You have to decide who's lying here. Is it us, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden? It seems like he's really motivated. John Kerry says he wants him fired. Joe, uh, 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 Joe Biden wants him uh, fired. And, and he wants him fired when he's there. It's exactly the same time as the investigation into Hunter Biden is starting to uh, heat up. And they, he's about to call Hunter Biden in. It looks awfully bad. How do you explain this phone call if you're the media or you're Joe Biden or you're anybody who's been saying this is a conspiracy theory? How, you know how, how do you it. explain this? You know how they'll do it, Glenn. And the incredible irony of this is that we just got finished uh, with an impeachment. It was all based around a phone call with a quid pro quo. And Donald Trump's defense was it was about corruption. I was trying to weed out corruption. The ridiculous irony is that Joe Biden has now been caught. We even have the audio tape for the other one, for uh, Donald Trump's call uh, with Zelensky. Now we have the audio. We hear them talking about it. They're talking about a quid pro quo, and that will be uh, Biden's, you know, his way out. As Oh, this is just like Donald Trump. I, I was talking about corruption. I was trying to get rid of corruption. They couldn't prove that with uh, no, but Donald that, but Trump. That was their, right, but that was their, that was their excuse you have yeah. the president of Ukraine saying, we have no evidence of corruption. We have no information on corruption. But as a favor to Joe Biden, I guess I'll ask him to resign. I mean, that's that's different than what you had with Donald Trump. This is yeah. the guy was agreeing with Donald Trump. There's a problem in Ukraine. I know I've got to clean this up. He agreed. Yeah. This guy didn't agree. And did it anyway because he wanted the billion dollars. This is this is why it's so important now to look at what the Senate is doing and how they just subpoenaed Blue Star Strategies. Because if you want to go and make the case that there was something beyond corruption, that it was more about Hunter Biden and uh, the protection of Hunter Biden, Blue Star Strategies is where you go. Now, Blue Star Strategies, now, Blue, remember— Blue Star St- yep. Yeah, that's, that's the PR firm that was hired by right. Burisma— to convince America that there was nothing wrong, right? That's correct. And they were lobbying the entire time, sending emails back and forth, trying to, to say, hey, stop looking at Hunter Biden, stop looking at Burisma. And we actually, uh, we, the uh, Blaze TV actually has a source uh, that was involved with Blue Star Strategies, uh, also has a Ukrainian source. Um, we've been getting information that a lot of information is going to come out through that Senate uh, subpoena um, very, very soon. And, and we're actually going to get some documents, I believe, before a lot of other people do. So just stay tuned on that on that front. But a lot more is coming out. So, uh, so Jason, the one thing that I've said, Stu, you remember when we were looking at the Tides Foundation and I told the researchers uh, at the time, and I've, I know I've said this to you, Jason, but it is so clear right now that whatever the left says the right is doing, I can guarantee you they're doing it. They yeah. just self-diagnose that, you know, the, Donald Trump is going to be a dictator. Well, no, you guys are actually being the dictator in COVID. Everything that they say the the right is doing everything they accuse it's because they're doing it they just 
they either are using it to uh, muddy the water or they just assume that everybody is that corrupt that, of course, they'd be doing that because we're doing it. I don't know what the reason is, but they always self-diagnose. Yeah. Um, uh, Jason, uh, one, one other thing. What about the, uh, the charge Stu just said, um, you know, well, we don't know anything about, I said, he says there's, there's no corruption. And he said, um, how, how did you phrase this, Stu? There, there are some stories out there. Well, yeah, I mean, like, and we talked about a little bit about this, uh, Jason, uh, last night when I was doing America. Um, but there was a uh, there's the thought that, you know, the reason he would lie, why would Poroshenko say there's no evidence of corruption? Well, he's Poroshenko's guy. He's the corruption is on Poroshenko's behalf. So therefore, of course, he's going to say there is no corruption. Yeah, I don't. Well, the thing with the thing with pro, um, with uh, with Shokin is that. There were allegations that were, sh- were that were going around that a lot of the people that were involved were saying like we, a lot of the a lot of the allegations were being floated around by Soros groups by other groups that um mm-hmm. that had other ulterior uh, agendas. A lot of the media in the West, especially the media in the West, just took those and ran for them and used that as kind of an alibi for everything that the U.S. Right. State Department for what Joe Biden um all of them what what they were doing. Um, to uh, show here's regardless right, of the here's the problem actually, you can't right you, you, the problem is here and I'm sorry to cut you off but we got to get to a network break uh, the problem is we see what they've done to other people here at Carter Page General Flynn you've seen how it it works they don't have any credibility uh, because they've played this hand too many times before. All right, uh, let me tell you about Relief Factor, our sponsor this half hour. Relief Factor is a, uh, I'm sorry, what is it? It's honey? Uh, honey.com. All right, thank you. Um, I keep hearing in my ear, honey, uh, Sarah, please, I'm a married <laughs> man. Uh, let me tell you about, uh, let me tell you about uh, honey.com. Join honey.com. This is something that Lisa has been using for a long time. And uh, I came home and I said, hey, uh, honey, uh, do you know about honey.com? And my wife looked at me like, are you, I mean, you are like the oldest man on the planet. How do you not know about honey? Um, But my wife's been using it uh, as well. And what it is, is it, it just saves you a ton of money. It runs in the background whenever you're shopping online. Just the little icon, you click on the little icon and it saves you money, applies all the discounts and the promo codes and everything else for you. So you save money without having to remember any of that stuff. Go to joinhoney.com slash Beck. It's a free app. Uh, they don't track you or anything else. It's really, it's really a great, great service. It'll save you money. It's joinhoney.com slash Beck. Do it now. Joinhoney.com slash Beck. You're listening to Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. We have James Rollins coming up. Uh, he's an author, but he's written uh, he's written a really uh, important book about uh, pandemic years ago and uh, did a lot of research and has a lot to say about what's going on right now. Let me also give you this. Um, just got a note in from a friend of mine who said, Glenn, have you updated the Apple, the iOS 13.5 yet? 
Um, 13.5, this is the notice you get from Apple if you read it, uh, speeds up the access to the passcode field on devices with Face ID when you're wearing a face mask and introduces the Exposure Notification API to support COVID-19 contact tracing apps from public health authorities. So it's easier to track you. And now with this new update from Apple, your information can go right to the government. Isn't that fantastic? All for your safety. Gosh, thanks, Apple. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, I strongly disagree with Alan Dershowitz, but uh, I, please let's not play this game that he's now the enemy. Uh, I mean, he is a constitutional scholar. He has his opinion. It's it's good. Um, I just disagree with it. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is my company, and uh, I am shocked uh, at what is happening with the real estate uh, community. But right now, it looks like housing is just taking off. Uh, mainly in places like New York, people are moving out of New York, uh, but th- it might be exactly the right time to sell your house. You've got to be prepared. You have to have the right real estate agent. We'll help you find the right one for you. It's a free service. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. This is my company. Uh, these people are, you know, they don't work for me, but we have put them through all kinds of vetting to see what their system is, how they work with people, what their track record is, to try to find somebody that's absolutely right for you. Do your own homework, but contact realestateagentsitrust.com and interview our agents. is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America, and welcome to the program. It is Thursday. I want to lead with this. Uh, Scientists are now telling us we're all going to die. And I mean, we could die by the end of the summer. Uh, Looks like we could be looking at at least a quarter of a million deaths by the end of July. Or not. Or not. There's another study that says, no, not so much. Um, But the good thing is, is that we have freedom of speech where we can debate these things and talk about these things. You know, until Google and uh, and and Twitter and Facebook ban us from having that conversation because the experts just know. For instance, the experts just know that if you're touching a contaminated surface, you're going to get it. Uh, except now the CDC has come out and said, no, not so much, not so much. So you got to know that you can get it by touching a cardboard box, uh, you know, or plastic or not. And I think we all know now what the truth is. Uh, also, face masks. And remember, face masks didn't work. Then we all have to wear a mask. And now scientists are saying, well, not sure they're going to r- really work that well. Good news is. We're all going to die. So we got that going for us. What's the truth? We have somebody who's a fiction writer who's done a lot of research because truth is stranger than fiction because fiction has to make sense. I love these fiction art uh, authors 
who really do their homework. We have James Rollins on who wrote a book about a pandemic and and also about the Chinese labs might be able to give us some insight on what's coming and what we're dealing with. James Rollins in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck program. Oh, yeah. All right. uh, So let us uh, let us talk about our sponsor this half hour. Which I, which I, I can't wait to tell you about. I tell you about it every day. It's Relief Factor. And Relief Factor is something that gave me my life back. Uh, Relief Factor is something that I didn't try because I went to the Mayo Clinic, okay? I had some of the best doctors in the world uh, look at me. And none of them said Relief Factor. And in fact, all the medicine that they gave me uh, it didn't work. So <laughs> something that was developed by doctors, but is all natural. There's no petrochemicals in it, please. Something that a radio guy is talking about it. How could that possibly work? Well, my wife forced me into it. She actually said, I'm not going to listen to you whine anymore if you're not willing to try everything. And uh, so I did. And I said, not going to work. And it worked uh, because my wife is usually right. And I'm noticing that pattern now after 20 years of marriage. Relieffactor.com. Try it now. 800-500-8384. Get your life back like I did. Relieffactor.com. 1-800-500-8384. So we had James Rollins on, uh, what, I think a couple of days ago. He's written a book called The Last Odyssey, and I read it and loved it. James is a, is a friend, a longtime friend, and I haven't been doing a lot of author interviews. Uh, this one, I asked James to come on uh, because I read it, and I love his style of writing. Well, while he was on, he talked about uh, a, a couple of other books that he wrote about... Um, about a pandemic and also about China. And so he had some insight on that. And I wanted to spend some more time with him on it. Uh, the problem is, is when he was on, I didn't ask him the name of those books. So I'm guessing that one of them is the demon crown, uh, crown, uh, which I just started reading a couple of days ago and I love. So please, James, tell me I'm reading the right book. The demon crown is all about, uh, strange parasitic wasps that invade us from Asia, which is, you know, right now we're in the middle of the murder hornets, so that is an issue. Okay. Okay, so that's not the one about the pandemic. It's really, I mean, you are so good. It opens up, let me just, let me just gush here for a second. It opens up with the story of, of the guy who started the Smithsonian. Is any of that stuff true about, uh, uh, about his bones and everything else? Totally true. When you get to the end of the book, there's it's, a what's true, what's not section, and I'm going to strip away, oh and you're going gosh. to find exactly how much of that book is true. It's pretty fun. That's what I love to do with my, my fiction is to, yeah, uh, I know. to give these right little details. You have to but stop I, calling it fiction. I, I, your <laughs> books, and, and Brad Thor is like this as well. It's faction. It's, it's fact and fiction mixed together, which is so great. Um, so, James, what is the book that you did research on? Because you did a book on Pandemic. And I wanted to talk to you about the things that you learned doing the research. Yep. Uh, and Basically, you know, I, I have a lot of, uh, it's not opinions. I think what I'm going to reveal over this next hour is going to shock some people. 
Um, it's going to you know, scare the bejesus out of a few people, but hopefully I'll end on, on a hopeful note. Um, okay. you know, again, why should you be taught? Why should I, why should you listen to me? You know, we thriller writers, you know, we're, we're, we love to think outside the box. You mentioned Brad. Brad's a good friend of mine, too. He participated in the Department of Homeland Security's uh, analytic red red cell unit, I believe it's called, uh, where they brought in a group of writers to brainstorm about terrorist scenarios. Well, now Mm -hmm. we're in in COVID, and this is my wheelhouse, because besides being a thriller writer, I'm also a veterinarian. That's what's my my, mind. Yeah, so that's where I started out uh, before I was a writer. I was a veterinarian, practiced for 15 years. And, you know, we veterinarians, we study zoonotic diseases, diseases that pass from animals to humans. And so, you know, I don't just like to think outside the box. I like to search outside the box. Uh, so I get those mm-hmm. interesting details in a book that I'm going to surprise you with. Uh, I'm always looking for that. And I'm surprised what people will tell me is, uh, is you know, I'll preface an, inter- an interview with a scientist or historian and say, hey, you know, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I'm working on this book. Would you answer a few questions off the record? And I'm surprised what they will tell me, you know. General, the nuclear yeah. codes are what? Let me get my pen and paper. Um, right, so, right. Just to give you a couple of bona fides here is that, you know, the book that dealt with the, the um, a pandemic, my viral pandemic book is a book called The Seventh Plague that dealt with uh, uh, the return of some biblical plagues. Big action adventure novel. So I'm already somewhat steeped in viral, viral uh, pandemic situations. And then, Glenn, you had me on my show, on your show, um, 2015, I believe, for the Bone Labyrinth. And that book dealt with Chinese labs. Mm. And when I was doing my mm-hmm. searching outside the box for that book, I, you know, it was revealed that there were serious safety and work standard issues in Chinese labs. Now, after we had our talk uh, back uh, in 2015, uh, back in 2018, there was a big expose uh, in, I believe yep. it was the, uh, uh, the, the Wall Street Journal, about uh, the fact that there are lax standards in these Chinese labs. And then, you know, so, again, what, what happens now, we find out that, you know, something came you know, possibly loose from, 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 the, from the Wuhan Institute, which I'd like to talk about in just a second. I'll give you, basically what I'd like to do today is talk about where this came from, because I, I know where this virus came from. From doing my research and talking to some scientists, I, I, I know what we did wrong and right in the past. I know what we need to be doing now. I know what, do you, what the future is going to look like. So give you okay. an example just to prove this. Let's get to it. I'm not talking about that. On my phone, I'm happy to send you a photo, a little uh, you know, screenshot of my phone. Back in March, I was about to begin my book tour. And the pandemic was beginning to just to arise here in the States. Things were beginning to close down. I lost my book tour. And, but I was still doing some flying just before everything was closing down. I thought, gosh, you know, I better be prepared for this. Uh, so I, I, I went and did some research. I talked to some scientists. I thought, you know what? If I get sick, what do I want them to give me? So I did some research. I found out that there actually is an antiviral drug produced by Gilead Sciences. It was developed back in 2009. They developed it actually to treat uh, hepatitis C. It did not work. But they found out just by chance that it works against coronavirus. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Does anybody using it? So I talked to some doctor friends of mine. I said, you know, is anybody using this drug? Yeah, if they are, what's the success rate with it? And I found out, yeah, there's a handful of doctors were using this drug, and they were having good success with it. So well, that's cool. So in my little phone, I wrote remdesivir. I put it in my phone. Mm-hmm. So I'm never intubated. If I'm ever hospitalized, I can't communicate. I want to pick up my phone, scroll past Candy Crush, get to my notes section and point, mm-hmm. give me this drug. So I thought, well, you know, I've done my thinking outside the box. I searched out the box, you know, 
uh, I'm prepared. But I was expecting, you know, I kept waiting week after week. Why isn't no one talking about remdesivir? You know, we're hearing about hydroxychloroquine. We're hearing about other, other uh, vaccines, blah, blah, blah. No one's talking about remdesivir until about two weeks ago. Then all of a sudden, everybody's talking about, oh, remdesivir is going to probably be the big major drug to treat this. But I, I knew this back in March, two, two, two months ago, just because I searched outside the box. Right. So I am going to talk about some other things I've learned from searching out the box, if, if you'll bear with me. Yes. Okay. So let me take a quick break for a minute and then I'll come back and then you start and, uh, and tell us what you found. Tell us, uh, we really want to know, um, you know, what the future holds, what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right. Uh, we have, uh, James Rollins on author of the last odyssey, which is disconnected from this entirely, but it is really a great book and you should read it. We'll continue in one minute. Let me tell you about, uh, Norton. Cybercrime is on the rise. COVID-19 situations only made it worse. Uh, there are, I mean, you think the corruption uh, in Congress is bad. Cybercrime, your campaign donations could come in the form uh, of your uh, bank account information. The, the, uh, the information that you are losing right now in the cybercrime based solely on coronavirus is through the roof. If you want your information safe when you're on Wi-Fi, even if it's password protected, you need uh, Norton security. Now, Norton 360 offers you a password manager, a powerful VPN with bank grade encryption, which everyone should have. Uh, It'll also keep logins and passwords more secure and private when you're on Wi-Fi. No one can prevent all cybercrime, but Norton 360 is a toolbox and a powerful ally for your cyber safety. Get up to 50% off your first year with an annual subscription at Norton.com slash back. That's Norton.com slash back. 50% off. Terms and conditions do apply. 10 seconds. Station ID. All right, James, James Rollins, author of The Last Odyssey. Uh, tell us the research that you uh, did for uh, your book on the pandemic. Well, actually, the book I, I, I'm just finishing is, that's coming out next March is called The Savage Zone. And it's all about viruses. So I was already sort of neck deep mm. in research and viral it, research when this uh, yeah. outbreak occurred. I had virologists on my, my speed dial, immunologists. Because I was doing my research, and when this broke out, I thought, oh, I need to tweak my story. You know, I can't write a viral story that comes out next year without incorporating the COVID situation. So I went back, and I, you know, I reconsulted them because I wanted to find out what I needed to do to tweak, you know, basically self-serving. I needed to make sure my novel was correct. But at the same time, I found out some interesting things that is not being released to the media. And I'll give you one example. You know, if we're going to understand where we're headed, we need to know where it started. And there's a lot of, you know, theories about where did this virus originate? Was it in the wet markets of Wuhan? Was it from the, the, the lab? Is it a bioengineered weapon? You know, the thriller writer, it's titillating, exciting to think that this is a bioengineered weapon. Um, but as a veterinarian, mm-hmm. looking at the scientific papers, talking to the scientists I know, uh, ones that were looking at the genome of this virus, it's, it's not. I do not believe this was genetically manipulated. I don't think it's a bioengineered weapon. Uh, Whenever you genetically manipulate something, you leave fingerprints. Uh, it's like pasting right. someone's head on a body right. in a photo or video. Those deep fakes, they look real, mm-hmm. but a photo expert can look for those glitches, those little signs mm-hmm. that reveal the falseness. 
And they did mm-hmm. that. And so I'm, I'm satisfied this is not a bioengineered weapon. Did, was it leaked? Was it leaked out of the lab? Maybe. We talked before, like I said before, about the, the lax conditions and safety and work standards in Chinese facilities. It's possible. So again, I, again, I, if I'm going to do my research, when I wrote The Seventh Plague in the Bone Labyrinth, I had a series of doctors in China that were willing to talk to me. So I'm going to call one of these up because all this, kind of, you know, what is really going on in that lab? You know, is it, did this, you know, bat that ended up transmitting this to the world, did it start in the wet lab or did it, I mean, start at the wet market or did it start in the lab? And I'm not going to name this scientist because otherwise I think they're going to end up in an unmarked grave. But uh, she mm. told me, oh, he or she told me, I don't want to, I'd make a very bad spy, mm. by the way. Uh, she told me that, no, uh, it, she did not believe it leaked because it is a biosafety for lab, lab, but what she believes happened and what a lot of the scientists in, in Wuhan or the people in Wuhan believe is that that bat was sold to the wet market from the lab. Is that they were doing, this lab specializes in research in coronavirus and they do research on bat coronaviruses and there was that article in 2018 talking about the... the mm-hmm safety conditions in these bat coronavirus research labs at, in Wuhan. And they bring in a lot of bats because they need subject material. But they don't use all the bats. So oftentimes these bats end up being sold. And so what she believes happened, or he or she believes happened, is that this, this, these bats were sold from the lab to the wet market. And I think that's important. We need to know exactly where this virus came from to understand where we need to go with this. Uh, why bats? You know, why are bats such vectors for disease? Well, bats are flying mammals. They're the, pretty much the only mammal that flies. And to, to be able to, for, to, for a mammal to be able to fly, they basically have to have a supercharged metabolic engine. You know, bats need to consume about 1,200 mosquito-sized insects every hour to fuel that jet engine. But now that Jeez. jet engine burns so hot that it basically supercharges a bat's immune system. And it's that immune system that keeps that viral load in check. And that's very important if we're going to understand this disease. Because this disease is not so much about the virus. It's about the immune system. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, just give me an example. Bats are vectors for rabies. Again, me being a veterinarian, very conscious of the fact that you need to be careful with, with bats because you get bit, you can potentially get rabies. Even though the, the bat might not be sick, they're able to hold rabies in check with this super immune system. Now, what happens if you stress out a bat? That's, that super immune system breaks down, the virus multiplies. So when you have these bats that are caged in a wet lab or caged in, in being shipped to a, to a lab in, uh, in Wuhan, you're having very stressed bats, the virus overloads, it's released into this market where then it spreads. So that's what I believe happened, is that there was bats that were sold from this lab that ended up in the wet market, they were stressed out, immune systems were weakened, that's what created this whole mess. So, so James, is this also, you say that they're supercharged immune systems. Yes. Um, it seems as though uh, humans, and I believe it was like this in 1918 as well, it's actually short-circuiting and making our immune system uh, uh, go into overcharge mode. Exactly. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head, and not a lot of people are talking about the fact that the deadliness of this virus is not necessarily from, from the virus particle itself. It's from our body's reaction. You know, there's Correct. a talk about, you know, are we in a war? Or would they use that war, 
metaphor for what yeah. we're in. And I, I don't think that's correct. I think what we need to consider this is that we're in a siege. You know, we, right now we have no natural immunity against the virus. We have little or no treatment. We have no vaccines. You know, so our bodies, our cities, our countries are basically defenseless castles, and we're surrounded by an army that's entrenched around us. And as we go forward in this, during this talk, we sort of have to accept that there's no path forward, there's no strategy that doesn't involve people dying. Uh, we just have right. to accept the fact that we're, we're in, a, in this siege, and there's going, to be, there's going to be casualties with this. Right. But how, you know, where are we going to end up? You know, if the virus wins, humans go extinct. Not going to happen. This, it's not that, this virus is not that fatal. You know, just say, uh, before I got on your program, I was looking at the news. They were, we're at this milestone of crossing uh, where we have 5 million cases being reported. Right. And 328,000 deaths. Now, the headlines are, you know, grisly, grim. Yeah. In my opinion, I'm like, Great. I'm glad that there's 55 million cases out there. Um, right. you know, I don't want the headlines to read, James Rollins wants everyone to die. Uh, but it's good news. And I, don't, I think that number is a lot higher because, again, any, any, again, I'm not an expert, but it doesn't sure. take a rocket scientist to go, well, it's 325,000 deaths and there's 5 million cases. Let's do the math. Yeah, that would indicate that the mortality rate is 6.5%. If you take those two numbers, you take 325, which is very high, 6.5%. <clears throat> the virus is not that deadly. Uh, you know, all uh, you won't find an right. epidemiologist that's going to say the mortality rate is that high. So if it's not, if that's the numbers they're showing us in, in the, the news today, that indicates there's a lot more cases that, that are undiagnosed, which is, again, I think is Correct. great. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, right now we're in what I call the simmering pot. I've used this described to some friends of mine, is that, you know, to win the siege, we're going to need some defensive and offensive weapons. You know, the offense, offensive weapons, you know, when we take the battle to the virus, that's going to be treatment. Defensive, that means population level immunity control, herd immunity that everybody talks about, either through natural transmission or vaccine. So where are we going to go from here? You know, we've already done the, the social distancing, flattening the curve. I'm surprised I have any hair on my head, by the way, is I keep pulling my hair out. Like, why is no one talking about remdesivir? Right. You know, I kept hearing, and you'll, you'll, you'll see it on newsprint today, the more you social distance, right. the sooner things will get back to normal. That is so wrong. No. The opposite actually is true. By social distancing, we're only slowing down the inevitable. Social distancing only by time. So, so James, I've, I've got less than a minute here because I'm up against a network break. But sure. let me say yeah. this. I've been saying since the beginning of this, this is a virus. We are all going to get it at one yeah. point or another. We're still getting the pandemic Spanish flu of 1918 every year, a version of it. This is yeah. not going away. And by, by us saying that we can't unlock the doors until uh, we have a cure is true insanity. I'd like to hear yep. your comments on that and, and what's coming and what you think we should be doing. Coming up in just a minute, James Rollins. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right, so we've been hearing from people that, you know, Paul Singer has said the market could get cut in half. And I think that's true. You know, I, I've, I don't have any money in the stock market right now for a reason. And that is, I, I'm, I'm not privy to what the Fed is buying. And this isn't about companies or anything else. This is about what the Fed is choosing to buy. 
and I don't think that's a good uh, good recipe for uh, wealth and uh, a stable free market uh, system. You're also hearing from people like JB, JP Morgan uh, and Chase and and also Goldman Sachs that go, they believe that gold will be at three thousand dollars an ounce next year. I hope to God they're wrong, because at three thousand dollars an ounce, the world is in chaos, absolute chaos. I just bought more gold because I do believe that the world is headed towards insanity and it's running towards it faster and faster. The people I trust to advise on gold and to buy my gold from Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE. Call them now, 866-GOLDLINE. And go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. You get access to all the video from the show and you get 10 bucks off as well. Um, um. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, just a program note. Uh, I am going on vacation uh, today. I will be back uh, in a week. And uh, we, will, we have a lot of great stuff uh, that our research department is going to be working on while I'm away. And you're not going to want to miss an episode. Uh, and Stu's going to be filling in for me. So, I mean. And Pat. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the best, it's the so best that, we can do. That'll save it. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, we go back to James Rollins, uh, who is uh, with us. He's a fiction writer. He's, his latest book is The Last Odyssey. It's great. You'll love it. Um, but we're talking about research that he did uh, because he's written a couple of books and he's writing a new one for next year um, on pandemic and viruses. So, James, let me just go. Um, what the Swedes did was what we used to do. Uh, what we did, quite honestly, in 1968 with the Hong Kong flu, we just went on with our lives and we got we we have herd immunity. And it's the combination of herd immunity and vaccines that help us live with these things. But we're not we're going the opposite direction. So which one's right? Well, basically, when we're when we're doing the social distancing, we were following the Chinese method, which was trying to strictly quarantine this and, and trying to control it that way. But as I mentioned before, we were just delaying the inevitable. And I can't say it's wrong because I think by having a short-term shutdown, that you know we were protecting the healthcare system, we're allowing them, buying them time to you know, right. build hospital capacity. But we're not doing that. Ventilators. I think and we were all we all were on board for that, yep. but now we're not. We're past that. We're past We're totally that. wrong. We're totally wrong. If, I, if I've been in control, which I should have been, is we should only been <laughs> in lockdown for two, two weeks. That's it. And it should have said, by this date, we're opening up again. Because I think people need that hat to hang on that, you know, we're, this is going to end on this date. Rather than this yep, nebulous, yep, yep. we don't know what's going to happen. It's confusing. Different states are Correct. doing different things. No. Two weeks, lockdown, get our ducks in a row, open back up. And now the, the Swedes skipped that first step. They didn't feel a need that they needed to lock down. I think they were confident with their healthcare system and, and they could jump right into the, what I call a simmering pot. They jumped right into where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to imply that, uh, that uh, the Swedes are, you know, out there having this, you know, huge, you know, parties and festivals and, and going crazy. They, they, they did some, some precautionary things. And this is what I, this is what I recommend sure. that we need to look for we're, while we're in the simmering pot. And we're going to be here, unfortunately, a while. What the Swedes were doing, simple things. If you can work from home, work from home. Wash your hands. Avoid non-essential travel. They, they were restricting gatherings to 50 people or, or less. 
they were saying if you're over 70, eh, maybe we, we're going to ask you to self-isolate. We're not going to say you have to self, uh, self-isolate. We're going to ask you to self-isolate. We're, but we are banning visitors from senior care homes. Very simple things, very logical mm-hmm. things that make sense. It's been working great. They're developing herd immunity very, very rapidly. We need to do that. But now, they are. What, but the numbers. Hang on. Let me ask Stu for sure. the stats on on Sweden because the 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 numbers are not looking good for Sweden. Well, yeah, it's been there's been some mixed uh, results, I would say. But Reviews, I mean, yeah, I think the it kind of fits with the point you're making, James. On on you know we're all going to get this eventually anyway, yeah. and they're trying to speed it up. I mean, there's certainly the argument on the other side of you know if we do come up with an innovation, you're going to be upset that you'd you you sped it up but there you know that is definitely something where you know when we're talking about something that's that that's affecting this many people you know there but there are we can try all these different approaches but it's it's gonna it's gonna cause its problems no matter what right and james i mean i I don't understand this right and i don't understand this vaccine thing we we don't stop the flu I mean, this is a coronavirus. We're not going. This thing is already mutated. It's going to continue to mutate for the rest of of human existence, most likely. So I don't understand this this idea that we're going to come up with something that's going to knock this out and it's going to be gone. Is that possible? No. We're going to be in this for the long haul. And regardless of the vaccine, don't count on it. Uh, there was that Moderna study that was just done, uh, published last week that caused the stock market to go up 1,000 points. I don't understand yeah. why it did that, except that it was based on optimism. It was based on eight cases, eight people that showed a little bit of an antibody response to the vaccine. So what? You know, again, I'm pulling from my veterinary background. There is a corona vaccine for dogs, but it only works against the GI, the enteric form of the disease. There is also a respiratory coronavirus that affects dogs. We don't have a vaccine against that. We still have not to be able to be able to do that. The human cold is a coronavirus. Still no vaccine. Right. I, and even so, that, so, you know, so even what do we look at that point? Are, are, you, we're talking about antibodies versus protective antibodies. How long are those antibodies going to stick around? Uh, if a vaccine is successful, it's going to take, you know, we're going to produce billions of these, of these vaccines, and then we have to distribute them. So we're talking about a long, long time before we're going to get to that. And, and even then, it's a limited success. It's going to help. It's a good crutch. But what's going to be more important is, again, that herd immunity. It's a combination of herd immunity and vaccination that's going to probably pull us through this. But you're not going to, be, you're not going to vaccinate our way out of this all by itself. We're going to have to have a, a significant amount of herd immunity before that happens. So we need to okay. get to that point. We need to welcome limited transmission. So when are we going to – when do you predict that we are going to – have a treatment and and a a reasonable plan. How long is it going to take us if things all fell into place? You know, I've got my my next book comes out next March. If you have me back on your program, I'm going to make a bet with you. We will not have a vaccine okay. by next March. Oh, I, I, if, if, if I'm, I'm wrong, not going to bet against that. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not going to. Uh, mm-hmm, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to have you do it. If I'm wrong. I'll put a thousand dollars towards a charity of your of your choosing if if there's a vaccine okay. before next March. But what yeah. I will tell you a little bit of optimism. Again, talking to scientists, talking to, to epidemiologists, talking to some some doctors, uh, talk to some immunologists. I believe by late summer, early fall, there's going to be a decent treatment regimen, and it's going to be two part. One is going to be an antiviral drug to knock down the virus, 
And I think it's going to be some version of remdesivir, if not remdesivir itself, some, some slightly modified version of that. And also it's going to be an immunosuppressive drug because uh, that is what's really killing us. You know, one right. third of the people that die of COVID don't die because the virus has damaged their lungs. They die because of what's called a cytokine storm, this overreaction yep. of your immune yep. system. Basically, the, your, your body burns the house down to try to get rid of this bug. And so most of the deaths are, are caused by this, over, uh, this, this uh, overreaction by your body. So a part two of the drug cocktail that's going to possibly be out here by late summer, early fall, from talking to the scientists I've been talking to, we'll see. And right now they're actually testing immunosuppressive drugs uh, and doing uh, so. Hopefully by late summer we'll have a combination of an antiviral and an immunosuppressive drug that will, again, I don't think it's going to be the, the, the cure-all. I don't cure-all. Think it's the yeah. end of the matter, but it's going to definitely help reduce the number of deaths. So you know, it's amazing, if, James. As I was looking at this at the very beginning, I started doing research on, you know, 1918 pandemic. I started reading some of the stuff that I'd read years ago. Uh, and that was the second phase of the pandemic. When it came back in the fall, they the doctors were horrified, didn't know at first what was going on. But it was that I don't know how to pronounce it, but that storm you were talking about yep, um, that it was just blowing everybody's immune system up and that's what was killing people so quickly and and we know it now we all know it now um all right um, that's i'm optimistic that by the fall we'll have a treatment you know a year possibly even longer a vaccine but i wouldn't count on that i would count on herd immunity okay so james one of the things i like about fiction writers is you guys do your own your your own research if fiction has got to make sense, truth can, I mean, you couldn't write what's happening in the last two years in America and sell this thing 10 years ago. There, nobody would no. believe it. No one um, and so, right. And tr- fiction has got to make sense. So you've got to have your facts down and think logically. Um, tell me on the action adventure side of you, what do you think we're headed towards when we have no trust of the media, no real authoritative voices, uh, a a digital sector that is now working with the government to monitor, to spy, to whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. drones in the sky. You have governors that are paying no attention to their citizens. They're paying no attention to anything reasonable like you've been talking about here. Uh, and they seem to be going for a power grab. You have men, members of Congress that are openly saying that now's the time to pass the Green New Deal, et cetera, et cetera. Where are we headed uh, as a society? It seems disastrous. Well, first of all, I think we should always question the experts. And behind the scenes, I've talked to epidemiologists, and most of them say, we don't know what's happening. So you cannot put your trust in institutions and in some of these, these, uh, these experts out there. We need but we're not, control but, and but, but we're not... Right. But we're not. That's that's the thing that I really wonder. Um, You know, we have we have probably a 25 to 30 percent unemployment rate. We are just killing the entrepreneur, the small business person that in the in the Great Recession created 80 percent of all new jobs. We're just killing them. Nobody's listening. 
there is there is just trouble on the horizon. How do we keep things calm? How do we weather this storm? And I think the key to doing that is is recognizing that we have to let people take charge. We need to limit government. You know, right now, you know, I'm in Nevada, but I'm right on the border with California, and they have an insatiable appetite Mm -hmm. for regulatory micromanagement. And we're not going to micromanage our way out of the situation. We need to let people take charge. You know, businesses know best how to take care of businesses. They, you know, at this point, it's important that we protect the vulnerable, but we need to recognize that, you know, there's individual risk tolerance. You know, if when it comes to wearing face masks, uh, you know, yes, I think face masks are important, but we have to recognize that certain individuals have different risk tolerances. We need to consider the costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, schools, for example, they should be open. You know, at this point, the, the should be open. younger population is not vulnerable. Uh, the Med- British Medical Lancet Journal said that only 48 people out of the first 35,000 deaths were under the age of 25, that only 0.04% required hospitalization. There's no reason schools shouldn't be open. There's no reason small businesses shouldn't be open. We've basically shot ourselves in the foot by overreacting. Basically, what our bodies are doing, this over-immune response that's burning down the house, we're doing it politically. We're burning down this country in an attempt to think that we're doing good. Is there anybody in the world that's not burning? Are we all in the same boat burning the entire world down to the ground far as economies is there anybody who is not doing this well i mean you look at the swedes i think they're the perfect example of where we need to be they jump right into the simmering pot that's where we need to be we need to follow their example we don't need to reinvent the wheel you know we see what the swedes are doing yes there's more deaths because of course there's going to be more deaths because they've waded out of their castles into that 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 entrenched army but we're going to we're all going to have to do that and they did it early and yes there's been more deaths but at the same time, they're not destroying their country. James Rollins, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You can follow James at jamesrollins.com. His latest book uh, is The uh, the Last Odyssey, which is great. If you've never read uh, James Rollins' book, you can pick them up wherever. But once you read one, you're going to end up reading all of them. Uh, he, uh, he tells fascinating stories that mix history with today. They're just They're fantastic. You're one of my favorite writers, James. Thanks for being on. And uh, you bet. We'll talk again. Uh, The Last Odyssey by James Rollins, which has nothing to do with coronavirus. But you're I mean, this show is just I'm look, I'm insane. Okay, it's hard to follow this show. I get it. I get it. All right. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. Uh for some reason, my, I'm sorry, but my, my stuff is not loading. Uh, I want to tell you about LifeLock. LifeLock relentlessly protecting your information. LifeLock.com. Now, listen, here's the thing. Cybercrime is not slowing down. It's accelerating. And there are people that we know. The FBI says there's about five, what is it, 5,000 phone calls a day right now uh just on coronavirus related uh cyber crimes and they're cyber crimes on people you know contacting you saying hey we can uh help you with your um, with your check from the government all you have to do is give us this information it's really dangerous and nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses etc cetera, etc cetera. 
But LifeLock is there and they will warn you. They will also see many of the things that you will miss if you're looking on your own. And the most important thing is they have a team of experts to fix it with you if something god forbid goes wrong save up to 25 percent off your first year right now by using promo code beck 1-800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com use the promo code beck save 25 percent off now 1-800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com this is the glenn beck program This is uh, the Glenn Beck program. Welcome uh, to the uh, program. Now, um, you know, it's right before I go on vacation. There's a couple of stories that I've we just haven't gotten to that I really want to. Uh, the did you see the two guys that w- went into um, uh, went into uh, rob a rob a, a store and uh, were wearing watermelon masks? Did <laughs> you see this? It's a good good idea. I mean, uh, you yeah. say you know you're recycling. They, Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you, hopefully you've had a good meal, uh, you know, or maybe a little dessert and you cut that watermelon in half. You got half for your partner, half for you. You just cut out eye holes in the watermelon and that's what they were wearing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody saw this, but what was interesting to me is what they were charged with. Uh, they were charged with now think of this in COVID-19. They were charged with wearing a mask while committing a larceny. So maybe pretty much anybody now, uh, (laughs) you know, if you if you do something wrong, immediately remove your mask or you'll get extra time for wearing a mask. Not really the message we want to send right now. No, Mm. I've been telling you the government, they'll get they'll make you into a criminal one way or another, one way or another. Can watermelons protect against COVID-19? Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to make a watermelon mask because it sounds delicious. Uh, I'll see you in about a week. Going on vacation. God bless. This Stay is safe. The Glenn Beck Program.